field. That one's called to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it because I think it would. It, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. They don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now, to your hosts. All right, it's Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Radio. Of course, this week is brought to you by Blue Apron and SeatGeek. Blue Apron's mission, of course, is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, delivering right to your door. And SeatGeek gets you good quality seats without having to do the hassle of all the work and uh, scoping for tickets. So, of course, check out um, SeatGeek and Blue Apron. Uh, You can find us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat as well as on Facebook, Red Sox Beat Podcast, Tumblr, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, the whole nine yards. We are out there and keep sharing us and loving us. We, we, we like love. We know we're, we're selfish people. We like to be loved. So please keep doing that. Um, Jess Thomas, Lauren Campbell, alongside myself. Uh, what's going on, guys? Kind of a weird week. Well, not really a weird week, but a bad week for the Red That's Sox. It's pretty weird. <laughs> I was going to say, no, you were pretty right when you said weird. <laughs> yeah, very strange. Weird, weird yeah. games, close games, bad games, good games. Yeah, two and five week, not not the best week in the world. Um, some highs, some lows. Um, we got a trade rumor at the end of the week this week, so kind of ups and downs. Obviously, the trade deadline coming August first tomorrow. So most of this stuff we'll talk about. We'll see what happens tomorrow. But um, that being said, the Red Sox still had a bad week this week, uh, and here's just Thomas to kind of break it all down and and do his thing. Before I do my thing, when did the trade deadline become August first instead of July thirty first? Um, Why is that? I forget, I forget what they said. Is it because it's a Monday? That's what I'm, like, because today was a Sunday? Yeah. Yeah, see, the thing is, though, and I thought that, too, but then I thought back, and I know I've had, there's been deadlines on the weekend, so I don't know. Yeah, and I don't remember it ever being the first, so. Yeah, it was always the 31st, now they're making us wait another day. Yeah. So I, you know what, Jess, I, you do your recap, I'm going to look it up for you. Good. Great. Sounds good. Because I was just curious, so. All right. Um, yeah, so we'll start on Tuesday with a recap, because Monday we actually covered in the last show, because we did the show after the game on Monday. Uh, it was a 4-2 loss, the Tigers, so it was a, uh, not much offense in that game, which is unfortunate. So that started the week off 0-1. Um, Tuesday, another one-run loss. This one, well, not another, but it, it will be another in terms of the rest of the games of the week. It was uh, 9-8 Detroit. This was an offensive crazy game. Um, Stephen Wright pitched, and he was off his game. He gave up two runs in the first and two in the second. Um, the Red Sox actually came back and took the lead. Um, but Detroit got up on a two, uh, two nothing on a Miguel Cabrera two run homer in the first. They had two RBI singles in the second. But then David Ortiz had a three run homer in the third to get it back four to three. And then the Red Sox ended up taking the lead five four in the fourth. Um, Mookie Betts RBI double to make it five four. But then Stephen Wright stunk it up some more in the fifth. Gave up three, four more runs. That was eight to five Tigers. Red Sox came all the way back and tied it in the sixth. At eight, Jackie Bradley had a homer. Pedroia had an RBI single. Bogarts had a RBI fielder's choice. And then it all came crashing down when Robbie Ross Jr. 
walked Tyler Collins with the bases loaded in the seventh. It was nine to eight Tigers. You wouldn't think that would be the last run because there were still, you know, three half innings, three three half innings, um, five half innings, three for the Red Sox, two for the Tigers after that. But no one scored at that point, uh, and the Tigers went nine to eight. Right pitch, four and two thirds, nine hits, eight runs. Mike Pelfrey for Detroit was not much better with five innings, six hits, five runs. Um, both had barely any strikeouts. So that was a rough game. Um, good offense, obviously, with three on homer, four tees, home run for Bradley, two hits for Betts, two hits for Shaw. But this is tough to lose, especially after losing the first game. It's two in a row loss at home at this point, and you never think you're going to lose on a walked-in run in the seventh inning when it's tied at that point. So that that was the uh, Tuesday's game. It brought us into Wednesday, and this one was even tougher because it was closer. It was lower scoring, and at, the, at that point, it was just the Red Sox needed to win badly, and uh, it brought us all the way to the ninth inning. And then Brad Ziegler, who hadn't given up any runs, only one base runner at that point, gave up a home run to Miguel Cabrera in the ninth inning. And that was a 4-3 lead for the Tigers. And it was unfortunate because the Red Sox came back and got within a run in the seventh on a Bogarts home run, tied the game in the eighth on a Betts triple, and then just for a half inning later, Miguel Cabrera to give him the lead. It was frustrating. Uh, Pedroia had a home run in this game. Uh, it was a well-pitched game by Eduardo Rodriguez, three runs in five and a third innings. But Michael Fulmer lasted longer, the Tigers rookie, seven and two-thirds innings. And it's just... Oh, that ending with Cabrera hitting the home run. Cabrera and, and Martinez were beasts in this series, and it, it led to the sweep. Really bad sweep at home. Yeah, and I look at that and go, you you have this game where you probably don't really deserve to win, but then you come back here, and you come back, you tie the game up, and then you have a guy who you brought in to obviously not be your closer. He kind of got pushed into that role, but a guy who should be able to get out of this line. And then, of course, Miguel Cabrera takes over, but... It's just it's a problem, and it's not it's unfortunate that, that happened. Obviously, we don't want to get swept by the Tigers. No, and what a time for Ziegler to give up his first run. Yeah, and especially right right after the the excitement of Betts hitting the RBI triple, tying it up, it was such a letdown. Especially when you're about to get swept to to give up that run. So that was really frustrating, and it was the first sweep of the Red Sox this year, which I couldn't believe, especially with the 10 and 16 June to be swept for the first time at the end of July. That's impressive. Yeah. I thought that was when I read that, um, the day of the game, I didn't even think that they had never been swept before. It just never really crossed my mind. And like you said, just to have a terrible June and to get swept this late in the season, it was, it was, I don't know. It was just, it blows my mind that they got more than halfway through the season before they got swept, which is something like, that's pretty cool. But, at the same time, it's like, ugh, why did it have to happen to the Tigers? Especially at this time when you're obviously looking for wins and going into a crucial 11-game road trip at that point. And, you know, it's, uh, it was unfortunate. Which brought us into the Angels series, four games against the Angels over the weekend. And uh, looked to start really well, and then it ended up not being so good here in the Angels series at the beginning. Um, looking to break that that uh, three-game losing streak against the Tigers. Uh, great game by David Price. He shut out the Angels through eight innings, which you'd expect him to do because they're a bad offensive team, but he hasn't done that so far. He actually pitched like an ace. He gave up seven hits, but never 
never anything, all singles, never enough to, to get a run across. Uh, eight innings, seven hits, no runs, one walk, six strikeouts. And uh, unfortunately, the Sox didn't do much on uh, on, uh, on their end against Jared Weaver, who was throwing an 83-mile-per-hour fastball, and they still somehow managed to only get one run in five and two-thirds off him. It was a Mookie Betts sack fly in the third inning. That made it one nothing at that point. Um, and then it all came crashing down in the ninth inning. David Price came out, Brad Ziegler came in, and as you know, as we said, he'd been perfect until the day before where he gave up the home run to Miguel Cabrera. Well, he was far from perfect in this game, too. Uh, Mike Trout started off the inning with a single. It was a poorly played ball. Uh, Shaw rushed the throw as he needed to, and Hanley couldn't pick it. They awarded him a single, and Albert Pujols got a single. And then uh, Carlos Perez tried to bunt and completely failed. He struck out bunting, and then um, Andrews and Simmons got a single, loaded the bases, but they didn't send, uh, send Trout home with Jackie Bradley's arm. And then Daniel Nava pinched hit, the bases loaded, against the Red Sox, his former team, in this crazy game. And uh, he hit it to Hanley. Hanley threw home. Worst throw I've ever seen, way over Leon's head, and the worst possible place to throw it because since it was over Leon's head, it went to the backstop. Two runs scored. Angels won 2-1. to one. And when you're sitting there 115, ready to recap the game as I was, boy, was that a bad feeling. Yeah, it's just so deflating, like – because you just got swept by the Tigers, and you come into this game now, okay, that's behind you, and you have David Price, who finally pitched like he should be able to pitch, especially against a lineup who hasn't done well this year, um, but does have some firepower to it. So he had a great start, goes the eight innings, and then, of course, it goes, it, it's, of all people, it's Hanley who throws the ball away and looks like a Little League kid trying to throw the ball home to end the game and can't do it. And then you lose because of that. It's such a heartbreaking loss for a team that really needed a win, and they just didn't get any help from Hanley on that on that situation. Yeah, and like such a you know a walk off win on Arish is not an easy pill to swallow. But we had so much doubt about Hanley going into the year at first base for him to, I guess, make a huge error again halfway more than halfway through the season. I guess that's kind of a positive to look at. Yeah, we should be happy it hasn't happened more, obviously, at this point. But he picked the worst time to do that. And when you're trying to trying to win a game after getting swept to start a road trip, your starter goes eight shutout innings, all lined up. And it was just the worst the worst throw. He totally aimed it. He had no idea. He rushed it. He freaked out. And if it was a good throw, they would have had a double play in one because Pedroia was going over to cover the bag, and they probably would have had him. So that was annoying. Really cool thing from this game, and I know because I recapped it, there were 18 hits in this game, and every single one of them was a single. Really? Wait, seriously? Yep. Every single I didn't one. notice that. That's crazy. Yep. And before Pujols got a single in the ninth inning, every player that had a hit had one hit apiece. There were 17 guys with 17 different hits. Wow, we. Yeah, that, that's a stat that you must, you must love that stat. That's a Jess Thomas stat I right know. there. And I put it right there in that recap, so it was great. Yeah, I mean, the the Sox had eight hits. Every player had one hit, except Jackie Bradley Jr. Everyone had one hit apiece. And then for the for the Angels, um, until Trout got a hit in the ninth, everyone had a hit except for Trout. And then Trout and Pujols got a hit, so Trout got his hit. Pujols got a second hit, and everyone else who started had one hit also. It was crazy. It was really wild. So, And so, yeah, Pujols ruined that. The Angels ruined the win. It just that ninth, and he just ruined everything worst 
And what a waste of a start for David Price, too. We, we've been on him all season. He finally has a solid, very good ace-like outing, and it just goes to waste. And when we needed it most, he came out like to be a stopper, and he pitched like a stopper, and it didn't even matter. Yep, everything that could have been frustrated about that was. It was just the worst possible scenario. So that made us have four losses in a row, and six out of seven at that point. So Friday came, and they really needed a win. Fortunately, they got it against the Angels again. 6-2 win over the Angels, and Mr. Cy Young himself, Rick Porcello, was the stopper once again, and he wasn't letting anyone blow this game. The offense didn't let anyone blow it. Porcello didn't let anyone blow it. Um, <laughs> and he didn't let anybody blow it because he threw a complete game. So you can't. nobody can blow it if nobody comes in the game. So he did it. When you want something done right, you do it yourself. Exactly. So he pitched nine innings, five hits, two runs, no walks, three strikeouts, only 107 pitches in his complete game. He didn't have to go at like 130. Um, and the Red Sox teed off on Tim Lincecum. They should have gotten more probably because he's been absolutely garbage this year. But he had six walks, five hits. The Sox did score four runs off him in five innings. So they did enough that they needed, that they needed to. Um, Bradley and Bogarts had home runs in this game. Two-run homer for Bogarts, solo for Bradley. Um, it was it was 2 nothing Angels, but the Sox got right back into it in the third with two runs. One in the fourth, one in the sixth, one, uh, two in the seventh. So that was a good game. Porcello is a stopper. And, guys, at this point, he is 14-2 and two with a 3-4-7 ERA. He is your, I wouldn't say your, I guess you could call him your ace because he's pitching like one, but like, he's the guy that if we, because right, right now the Red Sox are in that wild card game for the playoffs, um, if that was to finish it, I would hand the ball to Porcello. No questions asked. I would hand the ball to Rick Porcello. And a year ago today, even the beginning of the season, I would never have thought I would have said that. He's the guy that I would want to give the ball to right now, no matter what. Yeah, I don't see why you wouldn't. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> There's just especially if it's sweating, especially especially if it's hot out or raining, because you don't want to give it to Stephen Wright then. No, because he can't pitch in weird weather. But like you said, this time last year, I mean, of course, I was just com- pitching like a completely different player, and this is the the eighty million dollar pitcher that we wanted and that we complained about last season. They was making too much money, and now he's finally pitching up to his contract. Yeah. No, it's, he's definitely earning the money at this point. Yeah, we had a funny little uh, discussion about this in our Red Sox beat uh, chat, and we basically all agreed that you give the ball to Porcello in a one-game wild-card playoff at this point, and except for Adam. Adam said that he gives the ball to Price. Price is the ace. We all said, but wait, he hasn't been the ace. Porcello has. And he said, I don't care. He's been the ace. He is the ace. You give him the ball. You guys are crazy. And nobody understood. So. <laughs> well, because he hasn't, he, has, he has yet to give an explanation, like, and I, I'm very curious to, under, to to try to understand why. Yeah, I mean, how how can you trust Price in a one game a one game playoff? He's had like six, five or six starts where he's given up like six or more runs. You can't risk having that. You know, he right. hasn't proved, he hasn't proved at this point yet that you can rely on him. He's had a, some definitely a handful of good starts, but he's also had quite a bit of bad starts, and Porcello really hasn't. Yeah, I have a gut feeling they would let him pitch though. I don't. I don't at all. I just feel like the history of this team, I just feel like some reason, like he's the ace of the staff. They've been preaching that all year. I just feel like they're going to go, you know what, David Price is our staff. We're, we're sticking behind him. He's our ace. We're going to hand him the ball. I feel like that right now that would happen. Yeah, but that's what Adam's saying. And like, I don't know how you can justify that because... Oh, you can. I'm not saying it's right. Right. Just I don't know how they can happen. justify it. They're, they're making the decisions. they got to make the right decision. Again, I agree. But I just don't think it's going to be what they do if that happens. 
No, but who knows? By now, by then, Price might start pitching better, and it might be a no-brainer to give Price the ball. You never know. But by then, Porcello's going to be 22-2. and two. <laughs> I was about to say, if his record's like 21-4 and four or something, you know. <laughs> it's like, I'd rather take Porcello, uh, complete game, three strikeout, than David Price, five and a third, 12 strikeouts, and 11 runs. <laughs> Again, I'm not... I'm not disagreeing with you guys. It's just a matter of, I think this team has a history of making the wrong decision. John Farrell is the manager of this team, and I just think the recipe for the, the, from the past doesn't show that they would make the right decision. No nonsense, Farrell, 2016. Oh, <laughs> God. I mean, it's better than our options now for president. So, <laughs> And then it'll get him off the Red Sox. Okay, John Farrell, run our country. Okay. <laughs> hey, he's a good speaker, at least. He'll, he'll, he'll uh, say the right things. He'll say the politically correct stuff every time he comes to the mic. Yeah, so. it's perfect. John. Oh, you know, our, our military had the right stuff today against ISIS, and, we, you know, we just kind of did the right thing. We moved forward, and, and, you know, we made one more step towards the right economy for the United States of America. Go us. That's it. Oh. John Farrell's president. John Farrell, first presidential uh, press conference. That's great. Anyway, yeah, so Porcello's going to start. I don't care what he says. That's ridiculous. You go with the guy who's got you there this whole year. Rick Porcello's been the stopper. He's been the starter. He's been... Everybody, everything you want in a starter, he's consistent. What nineteen of twenty-one starts? He's done six or more innings. You, you got, you have to, you have to give it to him. I don't, I don't know how the team could. Ju- I know you think they will. I don't see how they can justify not giving him the start. And I'll be extremely angry if they don't. But really, when it all comes down to it, it's probably not going to matter because they're going to be fighting to get to probably to get that spot if they end up getting it. And it's not going to matter. It's going to be whoever's rested at that point. Because they're playing the games before it, you know. But what this if is true. what if Porcello is rest uh, not rested, but Price and Stephen Wright are? Then they pitch Price. I think they're going to pitch Price either way. Again, I, guys, I actually am still in the camp where I think he might come out of this and pitch well the rest of the year. Where if it's anywhere close to the record's not going to be close, but if the success going into that game or success going into game one of every, any playoff series you have is close recent success. They're going to give it to David Price. I think they're going to do it anyway, but there's more reason to think that if David Price pitches well the rest of the year. Mm. Well, I I give it to Porcello unless, yeah, he pitched like the day before or two days before or something like that. If, if he's on normal rest, yeah, absolutely give him the ball. Yeah. But it might, it might depend on that, unfortunately. I just hope it, I hope it doesn't. I hope, yeah. I, I hope we're not in a one-game playoff. I hope we're not in yeah, that prediction. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The World Series champs too, so we'll be right. good. Yeah, you don't want to be winning the one one game wild card if you're winning the World Series. So maybe we don't have to worry about that. I yeah, I'd prefer not to, but in case we do, that's our possibilities. Go Porcello. Okay, that brought us in Saturday. Drew Pomerantz, his third start with the team, and uh, this one was more indicative of his first start. It wasn't as bad as his first start, where he gave up a ton of runs in the th- in the fourth inning. Five of them, seven base runners in a row. As opposed to the last start, we go up two runs, and uh, that was it. Two run over by Iglesias. In this one, he pitched five and a third, six hits, five runs, two walks, four strikeouts. Not very good, especially against the Angels. Not what you want. Not what you're looking for. And the Sox offense could not do anything against Hector, Hector Santiago, who gave up six walks, which is exactly what Tim Lincecum did the day before. Four hits, only two runs. The guy threw... 119 pitches in five innings. He got six walks, and all the sides could do was score two runs off him. And Pomerantz gave up the five, so there you go. 5-2 loss. This is frustrating because, you know, you're trying to build on it. You win the, the game before to break your four-game losing streak. 
and he come out of here and you strand base runner after base runner after base runner. Yeah, it's. It's ridiculous. Obviously, the offense didn't play great. Um, and, but Pomerantz didn't look good. He, like you said, Jess, it wasn't like as bad as his first start. Um, but it, it, it's definitely now two out of the three starts aren't what we expected from him, just based off of what you gave up and the All Star he was tag he had on him. So, look, I'm not obviously worried yet at all with Pomerantz. And it, of course, it was unfortunate that he didn't really get the run support that he needed on Saturday, um, because this team never wins with only scoring two runs. Never mind like scoring, you know what I mean? Like, they just never score. If they don't score, like, five or six runs, they never win. So, I'm not putting it all on Pomerantz, but he definitely didn't look good by any means. No, he definitely didn't, and, you know, it's frustrating because he's supposed to be this all-star stud of a pitcher, and he can barely get out of the fifth inning anytime he pitches, and he had 119 pitches, you said, through through five, and Porcello had not even that through nine, so... Santiago had 119 through five. Oh, Santiago had 119. No, Pomerantz only pitched 79 pitches, and they pulled him because he was pitching so poorly. Oh, and it's just, oh, start after start. It's just so <laughs> frustrating because, I mean, I was at the first game, his first start with the Red Sox, and that was just frustrating to watch. And even though they won, it was still just like, what are you doing? Like, he just didn't, he doesn't look comfortable on the mound. Nobody looks comfortable on the mound except for Rick Porcello. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. That's your problem right there. It's just... Well, if it's not raining or really hot out, Stephen Wright looks comfortable. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's summer and it's sometimes hot. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, you know. Sometimes in July. Yeah. He wore sleeves today, though. Yeah, right. But still didn't pitch well, so we'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, so it's – yeah, that's the problem with these guys is they're – you know, they don't go deep into games. You know, Price, Pomeranz. Um, and Porcello and Wright for most of the season were the ones who were, and they were successful. It's, it's that's going deep into the game is indicative of how well you pitch. And Price Pomeranz not done that so far, so that's that needs to change because they're supposed to be two of your better pitchers. I mean, really, if you look at it with how Pomeranz did earlier in the year, you'd expect those two guys to be your best, your two best pitchers, but they're not. So we'll see what happens with them. Uh, they brought us into Sunday today uh, against the Angels. Um, <laughs> well, this is a really fun way to end the week. Um, I think we'd have a little bit different tone of this show. Well, first, because it would have been a one, one and six week if they did lose. And two, because they literally couldn't do anything in the first eight innings. It was brutal. Really, really ugly. Um, John Farrell got ejected. Um, the Angels were up three to nothing. And it was, everything was going poorly. Uh, Stephen Wright was kind of laboring. He only gave up three runs in five innings, but he gave up ten hits and got out of multiple jams, so he didn't really pitch that well. Um, fortunately, kept him in the game, which is obviously excellent, but he did not pitch well because whenever you go ten hits, you're not pitching well. Uh, Clay Buckholtz pitched three innings, shut out, only one walk, which is amazing, and I was thrilled about that, and he got the win. But the story of the game was the ninth inning, uh, the Sox were down three to nothing. Two outs, two on. Mookie Betts at the plate with two strikes. He hit an RBI single to right, a line drive, screamer over the second baseman's head, and it was three to one suddenly. You're like, all right, maybe there's hope. There's still two outs, still down two runs, but we'll see what happens. Dustin Pedroia came up and he hit a three-run homer to dead center field, just past the wall, and gave the Red Sox a four to three lead. Xander Bogarts hit a home run right afterwards to make it five three, and all of a sudden. Boom, just like that, 5-3. Houston Street pitched two-thirds an inning, four hits, five runs. Pedroia, it was his first home run to tie or lead 
a game in the ninth inning or later since 2010, and that home run was also off Houston Street. So clearly, you put Pedroia against Street in the ninth inning, good things are going to happen. And this is a great way to finish the, the series because it, got, it gave us a four-game split, two each for the team, which obviously isn't ideal when you're going into the series, but with how it played out, losing that heartbreaker on Thursday, this was this was great because that was the worst loss of the season. This was the best win of the season. This was awesome. Well, they needed this win because the way you lost that game on Thursday, the sweep to the Tigers, like you said, it was just not a great week. And you looking now losing um, three out of four to the Angels as well against a team that's not good right now. And they and they pulled it out. And your your, your gut, your dirt dog, second baseman pulled you out of there. Of course, Bogey hit one afterwards to give them the insurance run they didn't need, but. This is huge for this team now, especially with the struggle schedule they're going to have coming up here. You need to have wins like this. They don't have enough comeback wins this year. Um, this is a good step in the right direction. And I love seeing Pedroia get amped up. Like he's just, he was jacked. He's just so excited. And it was nice to see you know, Pedroia do it, especially after it was call, the, the questionable strike call that got Farrell ejected. And I'm, going into the ninth, I was like, oh, my God. Like I'm not going to be in a good mood for the show tonight. And then it just... You know, just like we were chatting before, and our like moods completely changed. Yeah, it was so exciting. And once bets got up, I was like, "All right, we got a chance here. We got the top of the order." I know no one's done well in this game, but just just get on base. Don't don't get that last out. And then he did that, and oh my god, I was excited. I was screaming, <laughs> yelling, I was jumping up and down. You guys got me going too because I wasn't able to watch or listen to this point. So like, I watched the beginning of the game and had to leave, and then I hadn't a chance to watch the end. All of a sudden, we were talking about the show in our group chat, and all of a sudden, you guys freak out. I'm like, "What <laughs> happened? What is going on?" Yeah. And it was just the it was the greatest thing ever to live vicariously through you guys watching that game. And it was fun because Jess and I were just you know throwing out names. We weren't really saying anything that was happening. You're like Jared, you're Binky, Sander. And I'm like, what did my boy do? <laughs> what happened? Very bad. Petroia! Bogart, yes! <laughs> that was so much fun. You're like, what is going on? I was so I was in Chipotle. I was like, what is going on right now? I'm just eating my burrito. They have a TV on in Chipotle? They don't have TVs in Chipotle. Bad life choices. Clearly, I don't go there much. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, don't. I guess you just walk in and get it and leave, right? I guess there's not a whole lot of, like, restaurant activity there. I mean, you can sit and eat, but they don't have TVs. Right. Like, like it's not like a sit-down, sit-down. It's like more like McDonald's than it is. Texas Roadhouse or something. Right. Yeah, no, that's, wow. Yeah, so that was, that was awesome. I just, it was fantastic, awesome win. And yeah, to get that on the road in the middle of a long road trip was just excellent. Oh, it was great. I, I, I loved every second of it. And having to be Pedroia because he's awesome and when he gets jacked <laughs> up and he's, you know, he had three strikeouts already, tough day. And oh, you get that. It was just so relieving. And oh, man, I'm still loving it. It happened like three three hours ago and I still still can't believe it. I love your your reasoning. It had to be Bedroya because he's awesome. <laughs> it did, and he hasn't done that in so long. It's like to get a huge hit for him is just like so satisfying. I'm not even mad at you for saying that though, because if it was Xander who did it, obviously he had a home run. But if, if Xander hit the three run home run, I'd have been like, well, it had to be Xander because he's awesome and he's my boy. Well, you so, expected like, more with him. He's he's more likely to do that at this point in his career. But just with that's true. Since Bedroya hasn't done it in so long, it was a little different, which is awesome. So that made it two and five week, uh, which was better than one and six. That's for sure. Um, could have been three and four if if uh, Hanley didn't make that horrendous throw. But 
that well, I mean, we we lost nine to eight, we lost four to three. There were plenty of close losses. It could have been it could have been very different, but that's you can always say that afterwards, and it doesn't matter at that point. But at that point, with the two to one loss to the Angels, every the last six losses for them were all by one or two runs. That's brutal. They don't like to win close games. <laughs> Let's put it that way. They don't know how to win close games, and they don't know how to come back. Um, this is this is this was an oddball win on Sunday. Um, I'm hoping more comes of that, especially because look at how you won the World Series in 2013. Look how a lot of people win in the postseason. Is you need to be able to come back when you're down to win those important games. Yeah, and it I could watch this win all day, all night. Watch it tomorrow, day after that. It just it does, I don't know. It just it gets gets you so amped up and and. Get you excited for the week to come, and especially like I said, two and five week, and what look like it's gonna be a one and six week. Oh, Pedroia, I love you. I would say right now this win and the win against Houston earlier in the year when Ortiz hit, yeah, the, right? Um, it was like a double, a triple, and then a double to win the game. Um, in like the ninth and the tenth innings, respectively. Um, I was at that game; it was amazing. I think that game and this game are the two that really sum up the character of this team and what potential of this team can be yeah you love walk-off wins you love ninth inning tenth inning you know that's when you want to score the runs if you're down and like you said that has not happened hardly at all this year and if they lose it's you know they lose like if it's if it's a close game it's always you know four three nine eight two one it's like and they don't win like two to one or three to two like if they won one nothing on thursday that was only going to be the second one nothing win of the season and it's just it just doesn't happen so this was awesome to see it happen. So two and five week um, co MVP to Dustin Pedroia and Xander Bogarts. I'm going to give the edge to Pedroia, even though his numbers are slightly worse because he hit the go ahead in this game. He was seven for 27, two homers, five RBI, five runs, six walks this week. Bogarts was eight for 29, three homers, six RBI, five runs. So essentially, pretty much exactly the same week, except Bogarts had the one more home run in his last at bat to give him one more hit, one more home run, and one more RBI. But since Pedroia got the win. He got the three-run homer. I give it to him. Yeah, as much as I want to give it to my boy, um, Pedroia earns it, especially with the homer, um, to kind of lift their, this team up, put his team on his back. And it's just fun. Watch. Like you said, Lauren, it's just really fun to watch Dustin Pedroia get jacked up. <laughs> it is, because he's so little. Uh, he, it's really still fun. most of the time. He doesn't, you know, he, he he's fired if he needs to be, but most of the time he just goes about his business. But when he has a reason to be fired up, he loves it. Yeah, it's fun to watch, of course, um, and he is your MVP for the week. Uh, and there you go. Crappy week for the Red Sox, recapped wonderfully by Jess Thomas. Thank you. And, of course, that is brought to you by uh, Blue Apron. Blue Apron um, has a huge impact on households, bringing fresh food to your house, cooking together, build strong family bonds. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook nearly three times more often. Those who spend a lot eating out or at high-end grocery chains can now spend under $10 per person for a healthy, delicious meal. Uh, it brought Jess and his fiance together. They're their trials and tribulations in the household. Um, and my girlfriend uses it as well. Um, it's a great product, and I know Jess, I he's doing it more often than most of us do. I, I know Jess uses it almost every night. Yeah, it's great. I, I love it. Uh, I'm having had some good stuff recently. I had some buttermilk uh, chicken tonight with some uh, collard greens that I was eating just before the show here and annoying the heck out of the two of them with my uh, oh. chewing and uh, <laughs> had some... Chomping uh, in the microphone. I had some uh, catfish, some ponzu spiced catfish last night. and Boy, that was good, too. I've gotten catfish with them before, and it's so good. I can't wait to eat this 
this week's catfish, but I've had catfish four times. <laughs> it's so good. But it's good though, it's okay. Yeah, no, I am not complaining in the least. Yeah, definitely don't complain. Blue Apron uh, definitely is gives you variety. It's very flexible, and of course, it's easy to do. We give you step-by-step directions. Uh, you can check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's, again, blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. Uh, Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Of course, we love having Blue Apron as being a part of the show. Um, but, of course, the Red Sox, Blue Apron's probably the best thing that happened to the show all week because the Red Sox didn't do anything. Um, and a lot's run. going on. What? Minus the home run today. <laughs> minus, the home, minus today. Don't count today because today was amazing. But um, a lot of stuff going on with the Red Sox this week. Obviously, the non-waiver trade deadline is tomorrow, August 1st. Jess, I found out why. Oh, you did? <laughs> it is because, yes, it is because they... The league didn't want on a Sunday because almost all the games on a Sunday, at least this year, were in the afternoon. So they didn't want guys like having to play half a game and getting taken out, all this stuff. And they, okay. Manfred basically just said it wasn't good for us this year. It's not something we're looking to explore. It just happened to fall on a Sunday, and we felt it wasn't great for us. Right. Um, so we were right. I just didn't think that was a thing because we've had him on Sundays before, but right. maybe it was Manfred being awesome and doing his thing. But he looks so. like, I don't care about that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we work seven days a week. But... <laughs> yeah, good old Manfred doing the right thing. So that's why it's, uh, it's tomorrow. So most of the games are at night. Um, gotcha. Well, if not all. <laughs> um, but with the non-waiver deadline comes rumors, comes speculation. Uh, and to, as early as of today... Um, Sunday, the Red Sox are involved in rumors with Carlos Beltran. Now, if you're listening to this later in the week, maybe he's on the Red Sox. Good for us. Um, but why would the Red Sox be looking at Carlos Beltran? Let's start there. Um, because they don't need any I don't think they need any help with the lineup. He's old. Obviously, it's a rental. Why would the Red Sox even be putting their hat in, in, the, in the ring with this guy? That is the million-dollar question. I just, <laughs> I, I mean, he's, I can see him definitely as a rental because he can be a free agent after the season, so I get that. Um, maybe, you know, maybe he could be a DH, but then where would we put Hanley? Um, I don't know. I, I don't understand why we'd want to go after a 39-year-old when we don't really need him. Yeah, I know we've had outfield problems occasionally. You know, it's been kind of a rotating door in left field, but he's been primarily a right fielder. He's 39 years old. Uh, he's still good, yes. I know he's still good, but you think if you're going to get anybody, have it be a reliever or a starter if you can get one. But I don't really see the point. You know, whatever. I don't need him. Do you think that they would give up? What, like, what do you think you'd be willing to give up? Or, like, what would we have to give up to get Carlos Beltran? Obviously, we don't want him. But, like, what would it take for you to go, nah, I guess that's okay? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> Clay Buckles? Clay Buckles? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> Seriously? Maybe some a prospect or two. <laughs> Guys, it's Clay Buckles. He's worth a bag of balls. Hold on. Beltran's more than a bag of balls. Three innings of scoreless baseball today. And the win. Yeah. And the win. Clay, Clay got the win today? Yeah. Clay, good for you. Steven Reicher didn't. <laughs> no. No, he did not. Um, yeah, four and nine. Good stuff. Oh, Clay Buckles. Um, that being said, obviously the deadline is tomorrow, um, and... There are still talks and links of us being linked to the White Sox. Does anything happen? I don't want to get too much into it because who knows when people are listening to this, but no. does does <laughs> anything happen with the White Sox? Even if it's not for sale, like Robertson, Quintana, something like that. 
I don't think so. So is he done? No. I don't know if he's done, but I think he's done with the White Sox. See, that's where I'm torn. It's like I, I, I know he's gonna. I have a feeling. I shouldn't say I know, but it's like I'm, you don't know anything. We all, I mean, it's it's Dave Dombrowski. We all know what he's known for. We all know what he's capable of. I do. I don't think he's done, but I don't know. I think like part of me thinks that something is gonna happen with with the White Sox. You know, we know he's got he's known for you know blowing up farm systems or just making big trades and. He's already made some trades, and he knows we need starting pitching. So, I I really think, but part of me thinks it's something's going to happen. I think knowing his track record, I think that he's going to pull something out. I, I think you're still going to see some bullpen help coming in, um, because I I would like one more arm to go along with Ziegler and Craig Kimbrell, who is rejoining the team this week. Um, tomorrow in Seattle, he'll be back with the team. So I would like another arm to go along with that. Just in case, you know, that the bullpen still is kind of shaky to me. I think the rotation is what it is at this point, um, and so is the lineup. So I think at this point, it's we need maybe one more arm. I would, That's why I liked Robertson with the White Sox, but... Um, He's had a really on and off year, though. Yeah, but see, that's why he'd be a little cheaper, and I think that in the right situation, um, I think he'd be okay. Um, I still like him as a pitcher. Sonny Gray could come pretty cheap, too, if you want to get a starter. <laughs> um, he's pretty will bad. not let go of Sonny Gray. Why not though? Like he's still young, and you can get him for cheaper now because he hasn't been great all year. But it's gonna be like five um, years from now. You're gonna be like, come on, Sonny. You know you're gonna go to the Red Sox sometime. <laughs> he's gonna like be enshrined into like what if he's into the Hall of Fame? Can we get him back? Can we? Can, he can still play, right? <laughs> um, but yeah. So look, I, I don't. I think they're gonna make a small move. I don't want to get into it just because of it's tomorrow. But um, I, I think they're gonna make a small move um, and then go from there. Um, but. Obviously, other news this week was Rick Porcello pitching obscenely well. Um, guys, realistic chance he wins the Cy Young this year? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, Chris Bale has 14 wins. There's, I think, two others in the AL who have 14 wins. They're all tied for most wins. So, it's, I mean, his ERA is a little higher than than most, but I don't under, I don't see why there's not a realistic chance he won't be able to snag that. Yeah, usually it's a guy with a to some ERA, he could definitely drop to that if he keeps pitching well. But they also, you know, it's, it does happen. They look at record a lot, and whether that's fair or not, most of the time it's not fair. But, you know, with, with your candidates, there's not somebody with a really good ERA with enough wins at this point, I don't think, because, like you said, Chris Sale, 14 wins, 14-4 and four with a 3-1-7. Jay Happ, 14-3 with a 3-1-6. Tillman fourteen and three with a three four six with the Orioles, and then Porcello's fourteen and two with a three four seven. They're all pretty much exactly around the same, uh, really in everything. Strikeouts, half has one hundred and eleven. Porcello's one hundred and eleven. Sales one thirty three. Tillman yep. has one eighteen. They're all really close. And I, I mean, Cole Hamels is twelve and two with a two eight four, so he's got the edge in, in uh, ERA a little bit, but a couple less wins. So it's going to be real close. But he's, I mean, Porcello's obviously going to be in the conversation because look at his record and look at his ERA. I think what's going to really help Porcello's case is if he pitches well down this, the last couple of months just because of what the, what the Red Sox schedule is. Mm. Um, like we've, we've heard the numbers. They're on the road a lot. Um, and if he can pitch well in all these road starts that he's going to end up having um, and still win these games, I think they can look past an ERA if it's a little higher than others if he pitches well down the stretch to help put the Red Sox in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, people, they think of that stuff. So I, I think this these next couple months, obviously, are going to be huge for him for the Cy Young point of view, but every road game he pitches in is going to be that much bigger as well. 
Yeah, and you need you need obviously to pitch well throughout the whole season. You're not going to be able to have a a rough stretch. You know, like Wright's had some trouble, so I he might be out of the consideration. Even though ZRA is still only three twenty, so maybe he will have a chance. Um, I'm not counting on it, but if Porcello keeps it up and if he keeps going six plus innings, six, seven, eight innings, and doing this again, then there's no reason not to. I mean, you don't know what the other guys are going to do, but the more you pitch well, the more chance you're going to have, obviously. Yeah, so... Sorry, Heather. It'll be fun to see, like, play hypothetical here, and the Red Sox get Chris Sale. We'll have, like, two pitchers in the run for Cy Young. A little fun there. Three 12-plus winners by August. That's pretty awesome. That's way awesome. Oh man, I wish it was only. I wish it was realistic they would get sale, but no, then that's not going to happen. Um, our jerseys will be safe, though. <laughs> our jerseys will be safe. That is for sure. Um, nah, I love the attitude on Chris Sale. I would love to have him in a Red Sox uniform, even though they might be shreds by the time the game's over. I would still love to have him in a Red Sox uniform. Just Lauren, your thoughts? Because we talked about it last week and you weren't there. Yeah, um, I was surprised. First, it was like he just destroyed his, but then I found out it was the entire team's uniforms. Um, it's childish, yes, but I mean, they. If, I th- I love the throwback uniforms. I love when the Red Sox wear them. I love when the te- when any team wears them. It's kind of something fun. But I kind of think that was his statement that he doesn't want to be with the White Sox anymore. And he's made some comments before with Adam LaRoche's kid in the dugout and saying, you know, the wrong person walked through the doors when when he retired. But you know, that's. I mean. The, the feistiness I enjoy. Um, he could have done it a million other different ways instead of destroying uniforms that they were all set to wear. I mean, it, I mean, who knows? I could have ruined the fun for some like anybody else on that team. Yeah, I looked at that. I know I said it last week too, Lauren, but um, I like I I kind of enjoyed it only because like he who his team was putting marketing over him. Like usually the starting pitchers have somewhat of a say what jerseys they wear um, because it's so it has to be comfortable with them to throw the baseball. And he says he wasn't comfortable throwing the baseball in the uniform and they didn't listen to him. They said, who cares? You're putting the uniform on. So I don't want to go back down this road, but I, I just think that it was some, it was him not according to what marketing said and what the marketing was putting out there for as a team. And honestly, that's why I wouldn't, I, I would love him here on the field sense of things, but our management is so marketing heavy that it might not be a good fit, even though I wish it would. I don't really see how they're, they can be really that much more uncomfortable or how a uniform is more comfortable than the others, but, I mean, to each their own. Well, they're made differently. Like, the one, like sleeves are tighter, because it's still, like, it's more designed like the older uniforms. They're not the same materials. Um, it's just little things like that. They, I, thought they looked, I thought they looked lighter and, like, more comfortable. At least the Red Sox ones did. If you're that good of a pitcher, suck it up and pitch in anything. Come on. It's just one game, and it's like... I I love the throwback uniforms. The Red Sox wore them at the game with the Giants, and it was yeah. I was like, oh, that's awesome! Like I love when sports teams do this. It's fun. Suck like you're you're getting paid millions. Like I enjoy the feistiness, but at the same time, it's it's immature and it's it's like you're taking a pair of scissors and like snip snip. Like oh my god. Yeah, that's pretty childish. That's like ten year old stuff. <laughs> that's something Again. a kid would do. Yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because who knows where this conversation is going. But um, other Red Sox stuff, though, that happened this week, um, I do want to touch on Stephen Wright because, um, guys, who knows what is happening with him. I think the weather's obviously a huge factor. I know he he ended up having to go put sleeves on today to control the sweat so he can hold on to the ball. But Stephen Wright's having issues. Hannigan's still having issues catching the ball. Um, 
can this hold up much longer? Is this going to stay like this? Because I think it might. No, I mean, we. I know weather plays a huge factor in Wright's pitching appearances, and I'm glad he corrected it to a point today with the compression sleeves. But, I mean, I'm not really too concerned about it. We've seen him with his good stuff, and he's bound to have some crappy starts. And we all know that, you know, a knuckleball is hard to catch. We've seen, I mean, nobody can be Doug Maravelli, but... I'd love to have him back, be able to catch right every five games, but I don't think it's going to continue. I think he'll he'll bounce back. He'll just have a few bad starts, and everyone will forget about him. Yeah, I don't feel too bad about it. I mean, he, he hasn't lost a game since June 25th, so at least the last couple games where he's pitched poorly, he's either gotten a win or no decisions. I mean, he did just I give up two runs, one earned in eight innings against the Twins three starts ago. Oh, so two starts ago it was eight runs given up, and today you have ten hits and three runs. So the, ninth, the last two games he's given up 19 hits, and he's not getting deep into the game. That's obviously a concern. His strikeout numbers are a little bit down. So I want to say that he'll be okay. It's obviously a concern because the thing with knuckleballers is you can be Superman for three months and then be the opposite of Superman for the other three months. And that could happen to him. It's unpredictable. It's just how the pitch goes, which is why you don't rely, want to rely on that person to be your best pitcher. Fortunately, we got Porcello and uh, hopefully Price to, to do that also. But, <laughs> but Wright's numbers are still really good. If if he gave up five or six, seven more runs in his next three starts, say, I'm going to start to be really concerned. But at this point, at least he limited the damage today. Uh, definitely interested in his next start. But yeah, it's it's annoying when you have to worry about sweat and humidity and that crap and not just be able to go out there and pitch. And the only reason why I could see why it wouldn't be it might not be an issue long term is because the weather's going to get cooler. Right. Like the summer's going to. I mean, tomorrow's August first. Like the weather's going to start cooling off come September. Like these games are going to start going back to before he started sweating profusely. So that would be why I would stop worrying about it is when the weather goes away. And as I hate how the weather's a factor, but it really is. And it's more than just a, a kind of one-off situation here. Um, but so I, we'll I wonder kind of, why it's such a problem, though, because Wakefield never really had that problem. Well, Wakefield was a really good pitcher. He sweated a lot, too, but he didn't seem to let it bother him. I don't know. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> obviously Wright's not Wakefield, but... Yeah. So, I mean, I agree. Like, it might, there might be some trend, but obviously we also might have not also paid a lot of attention to Wakefield back then because we were younger. You know, That's like true. We, we weren't talking about like every week the, and stuff. <laughs> right. there, yeah, there could have been issues. We just didn't know. We were like, "Oh, Tim Wakefield, we love you, yay!" As and like he a, did have as, a, really, as a child, right? He had some really bad stretches too in season. Yeah, so. so who knows what the reasons were? Maybe they were like that. Yeah, so, um, Fair you never really know. Um, we, now we're hardcore media members, so now we just kind of like to nitpick everything. Yep. <laughs> um, one thing that I kind of wanted to talk about real quick, which um, is something involving Mookie Betts, because Mookie Betts has now had some base running issues and it's not really a, I guess it kind of considered a trend because it happened last year too, but no one really cared because he was, they were bad last year, but Mookie Betts for being a leadoff hitter has not had great mentality running the bases and made some bad mistakes. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that. And I mean, part of me think that just kind of comes with his age. He's young and we need to remember that he is young, no matter how much of a good show he's putting on this year and he'll make his mistakes and but if he keeps cranking out the home runs I'm okay yeah I mean when you look at it overall he's got 21 homers and uh 17 steals so I'm not gonna worry about his base running too much oh see I do only because like 
He's just making dumb decisions, leaving too early, getting caught in pickles, things like that, that I understand he's young, but if you're going to be a leadoff hitter and having that much success, you need to be able to not make those mistakes anymore. And we're at the point now where this is where he should start locking it down. Um, obviously, I'm not like, oh, my God, we get rid of Mookie Betts. He can't run the bases. Like, I'm not that bad. But, like, I, I think it's just something to keep an eye on. Um, because if it keeps happening and obviously going into next season, we'll see. Um, but it's a concern, I think. Um, moving forward, guys, does Mookie Betts your long-term leadoff hitter option, or would you consider switching him with Xander? I've heard this all week. I'd stay with Mookie. I mean, it seems like he's a good leadoff hitter in terms of, obviously, he's a fast guy and whatnot. His home runs don't really scream leadoff, nor do a 68 RBI scream leadoff. So I could very well see him going to the four slot for Ortiz when he's gone just because of the power numbers, but I'm not sure I'd be comfortable with anybody else leading off, so I'd probably keep him there. Because I've heard a, a few people say this week, like, why don't you just flip Xander and Mookie and have Xander hit leadoff? Because he's going to hit for average. He's going to get gone, and he's got some power. Um, that would definitely be following the Derek Jeter career path that everyone thinks to think he's following. <laughs> right, that's true. <laughs> um, I wouldn't hate it by any means because I think Mookie's more of a – RBI type guy, but right now I'm okay with it because Mookie's faster and, and all those things. So I, I'm, I'm cool with Mookie Betts hitting leadoff, but I can see the argument for why you'd want to switch it maybe long term. Um, that's for sure. Um, one thing that we, you also didn't put on the prep notes, Jess, that I just thought of right now that I wanted to touch on real quick. Um, Yoan Moncada is now playing third base and the outfield in the minor leagues, they're learning these, they're getting reps down there at those positions. And Ben Attendee is now playing left field and getting reps in left field. Um, that's a sign to me. But how soon do we see these guys up here? I still don't think we're going to see either of them this year. Even September call-ups? I don't. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess there's no reason not to. Not before that, though. No way. No, I can see September, but. I'm not going to be surprised if neither of them, if we see either of them this season. Because um, they're not in play. No, unless there's a oh. dire need, unless so something terrible happens to in the farm and or on on the field. Then other than that, I don't really see a need for them. And it'd be nice to see them, sure. But if you know, let them get their get their reps in and their practice in in the minors, and let them work their way up. There's no need to rush that. Then I think the nice thing, too, is you have the luxury, like, Chris, Chris Young's coming back. He's going to be there. Uh, Blake Swihart maybe is coming back. You're going to have some depth there. I don't know why he's not playing. They're not playing Brock Holt more either. I, I'm so done with Bryce Bryant. It's not even funny. Um, but Brock Holt's there to help you out. Um, you have guys that does not need to rush them out. But it's nice to see that they're, they're teaching them these positions that we all have talked about them playing when they come up here. We need a long-term solution to left field. Ben Tenney could be that solution. We would love to see Moncada up here playing third base if Pedroia is still here. Um, and maybe Travis Shaw moved to first base and Hanley can DH. So, you know, there, there's, that's what we've been talking about. So it's nice to see that start to mold into shape um, because potentially that could be a thing next year. Yeah. Think about. I'm fine with who we have now. I don't really need to see him. I guess it would be good to see what they can do, but they're in double A, so I'm not really too worried about it yet. One thing I do want to mention, though, in terms of the trade deadline, going back to that quickly, um, I've seen an article here that says that the Red Sox asking price for Clay Buckles was reportedly too high, according to the Marlins. What could they possibly be asking for? <laughs> Literally, you could. Uh, what I want to know, like that's ridiculous. Doesn't, too doesn't high. anybody knows, so uh, it, it's kind of weird. Oh, I would kill to be a fly in the wall for any of those conversations. Oh my god! Yeah, for Clay Buckles, we want uh, Jose Fernandez. <laughs> <laughs> 
One for one, that's fair, right? You're crazy. Yeah, that's funny. Also, I mean, yeah, so whatever on that, I just wanted to bring it up because it's kind of funny. But I know we also wanted to mention um, from the game today when, when Farrell got ejected and Pedroia argued, um, I just wanted to read Pedroia's quote because it's hilarious and it's Dustin Pedroia gold. And I want to read every bit of Dustin Pedroia gold. Um, <laughs> Pedroia struck out in a high pitch in the fifth inning. Uh, it was a little bit high. It wasn't crazy high, but it was high enough to maybe argue about it. Um, and he was asked about it after the game. And he said what he said to Joe West, quote, I just said, man, I'm only five foot seven. I'm going to need a trampoline to hit that damn ball. What are we doing here? This is the major <laughs> leagues. <laughs> it was the best quote ever because he mentioned a trampoline. That's awesome. <laughs> it's great because, you know, we always, we just see him like the little guy. And, you know, in opening day ceremonies, David Ortiz throws his hands up. So Dustin Dre has to jump. And it's never really like his height. He makes crazy catches for being five foot seven, which it's small for like an athlete. To me, it's like a freaking giant. But it's like I love that he's not doesn't seem so angry about it, but he's kind of using humor and he's like kind of a knock at Joe West. We, I mean, we all know how much of a terrible umpire he's been, but like the strike zone today was just so inconsistent and just up and down, left and right, and. Especially with somebody like Pedroia, strike zone's going to be different than somebody like David Ortiz, and it's just yeah, you got to change the strike today. zone. Yeah, you got to change it for height. You just do. I'm sorry if a guy's six four and a guy's five seven. That's ten. That's nine inches difference, and that's going to be different. It's going to be right down the middle, and Ortiz is going to be at Pedroia's face. So, I, yeah, I, I love that he uses humor. He's hilarious. I mean, he's always funny. He doesn't take himself or anything too seriously. So just. I, I just get a huge kick out of hearing what the players say to the umpires. I wish I could hear every single conversation because it would be hilarious. Yeah, I wish players were mic'd up all the time and they were always turned up. Like, I just love player interaction, and that's, like, the best part about sports. And I love when they show mic things up. It's not just even in baseball, but, like, all sports. Mm-hmm. I love those mic'd up segments because you hear stuff that you wish you could hear all the time. Um, because most of us have played sports. It's You love that banter. You love that camaraderie in sports and, and trash talking, and you love all that. And you get to hear that in those things. So it's nice to hear that hear that quote from Dustin Pedroia because it's, it's something like that. And we assume that he probably said that. I mean, obviously he's relaying what he said. He's not. We didn't hear what he said to us, but he said he said that. Yes. See, I want to hear what he actually said. <laughs> like, I'm sure there's something else in there that we didn't need to know, and I want to hear everything. I know. So do I. But then in the same vein here, um, going to Farrell, because we discussed before the show, um, Farrell poked his finger into the umpire's uh, chest or not even chest, belly, really. He poked him on the belly, just pointing at him. I don't think he meant to to do that. He was talking to the home plate umpire, Gabe Morales. But then Joe West uh, comes in and... Oh, John, stop doing that. What you're doing, huh? Yeah, yeah stop, starts, John. starts yeah. pushing him and touching him and, like, you know, pushing him around. And, you know, Farrell said that they can, they can touch me, but I can't touch them. It doesn't make sense. It's, yeah, the rule's dumb. The rule's really dumb. Um, especially when, like, the heat of the moment, I, again, wish I could hear John Farrell mic'd up. <laughs> um, but heat of the moment, he happens to touch an umpire. He might get suspended for that. Probably will, because it's the rule of the book. Can't touch the umpire. Yeah, he should. But, why would? I mean, he, he he touched him in the belly. It's not like he pushed, t- touched him in the face. He didn't stick his finger in his mouth. He didn't stick his finger in his butt. Like, he stuck his finger oh, in, his, in, his, wow. in his belly. If he gets suspended for this, I'm going to go nuts. I'm going to go absolutely ballistic. You know he will, too. You know he's going to. How, um, how can you suspend someone for that? He poked him in the belly. It's like it's like child's play. It's like a little kid poking another kid in the belly. He poked you in the belly. He didn't He didn't punch him in the face. He didn't push him over. He didn't kick him in the nuts. Like, what are you... 
I, I will literally go absolutely nuts if they suspend him for this. It's like the Pillsbury Doughboy. Just like, he. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no. Cartoons. Yeah, really. It doesn't make sense. The rule's stupid. But then to reverse it and say Joe West can put his hand on Farrell while talking to him um, and, like, push him back and do all this stuff. And now there's some leeway with umpires. Like, if you're just trying to t- lean in and talk to him, most um, most managers are allowed to kind of lean in and just kind of hold on to their shoulder while they're talking to him. Um, I've seen, I see that, you see that a lot. But it's just a matter of you go from one sport of MLB, you can't touch the umpire, to two where in, ba- in say, basketball, like, LeBron James and all these guys are allowed to, like, pat the refs on the rear end. And, like, oh, great game, nice call, ref, yeah, good job. Like, what's the why can't, like, what is, like, I hate these rules. Um, I prefer to MLB's, be poked in the belly than patted on the butt. <laughs> See, I wish I wish MLB umpires were, like, NBA refs in the sense of what they're allowed to get, like. Like, I wish Dustin Pedroia could, like, after a home run trout, like, walk by, yeah, good job, guy, way to, way to call me safe, or, like, something like that after a good call. Like, I wish that was allowed, just because it'd be more fun to watch. Yeah, umpires are extremely protected in the MLB, and it, Joe West is a certified D bag. We all know that. <laughs> just oh God, yeah. His hand, like when Jeff and I watched the video before we started recording, and it's just like West had his hands like like he was going to go dancing with Farrell. Like, <laughs> he wanted, he, he wanted to go fondle. He wanted to go all all up in there with John Farrell. They're going to start uh, two stepping. I don't know what was going on. Like, gotta cancel the game, get them a room. You know, it just would have been a, it would have been a night for John Farrell and Joe West. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an image! Oh man, yeah, picture that. All of Joe West's rolls, and <laughs> d- double chins, oh. double chins. I think oh. you mean like quintuple chins, like quadruple chins. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's it's bad. Uh, yeah, right. Those worry don't man. He's all man, Lauren. Come on now. It's too bad he poked Morales in the belly instead of West. <laughs> West wouldn't have felt it. He probably would have never got ejected. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> oh, well, all the Red Sox news we've talked about today and uh, the Pillsbury Doughboy, Joe West, are, of course, brought to you by SeatGeek. And don't forget, of course, you can get your $20 off um, by putting in the promo code RSB when you make your first ticket purchase. Of course, we love to sponsor by SeatGeek, and I'm pretty sure they're proud to sponsor the Pillsbury Doughboy as well. Um, so uh, before we do our predictions, a lot going on around MLB as well. A lot of these trades with the deadline coming up. Um, and list them off right away. The Orioles got Wade Miley, so old friend back in the division. The Indians traded for Andrew Miller, um, and they almost got Luke Roy as well, but he vetoed it. We talked about that today. Um, a little, we found out a little about that today. We'll talk about it in a second. Um, guys, the Orioles are, 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 are falling down here. Uh, Jays are rising. Orioles make this move. What does Wade Miley mean? for uh, the Orioles. I think it's just a, a rental. I mean, we've obviously seen what Wade Miley can do here. And I read something today that uh, I think it's the third time he's been traded in 20 months. So he's obviously a very tradable pitcher. I don't think the Orioles are looking for anything permanent. Um, but he's in the back in the American League. And, I mean, I enjoyed his time here and his little outbursts. And he was one of the best pitchers while he was here with our rotation. But I don't... I don't think the Orioles looking to do anything permanent with him. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like In one vein, it's like, yes, he got traded three times in the last 20 months. On the other hand, teams keep wanting him and keep, teams keep trading for him. So for a very average pitcher with a 500 record and a ERA of like four and a half, he's kind of a hot commodity. And I think, too, like the O's are seeing him what, the, what, he, what Seattle wanted him to be. 
that guy in the middle of the rotation to eat up innings and really help you depth-wise in a rotation with a team that's looking to push for the playoffs. Seattle's having a rough year. Not a rough year, but not as good as they're expecting. And the O's are pushing for, the, obviously, the division and go to the playoffs. So I think it's a good trade for the Orioles. And I, I think it's intriguing that the Wade Miley might come back to haunt the Red Sox after all this. Um, the, I think the biggest news of the day, though, was the Indians getting Andrew Miller from the Yankees. Um, Yankees get prospects in return, but, guys, Indians are all in. Yeah, and Andrew Miller, obviously, we know what he can do, too. And I miss him. Oh, God, I miss him, too. And, you know, we saw a lot of him with the Yankees and... My God, the like, oh Terry Francona, like, what are you doing to us? Yeah, I mean, Cleveland's got the second best record in the major leagues, so they're clearly legit. They're sixty and forty-two. They've had a great year. They're good at home. They're good on the road. And yeah, they're getting Andrew Miller now, who is clearly still one of the better relievers in the game. Um, he can get away from having that really good bullpen in New York, where he was kind of overshadowed a little bit, and not be overshadowed. I think it's a great move. I think it hurts them not to get Luke Roy because he's one of the better catchers. So that hurts them a little bit, but at least they got Miller for their sake. Yeah, and let's talk about Luke Roy for a second. Jonathan Luke Roy on a terrible Milwaukee Brewers team. Terrible. Not good. You have a team in Cleveland who wants you, like you said, Jess, second best team in the entire league. And you say no. You veto that trade to not to stay with the Milwaukee Brewers. And now what if your team can't get something done? What if the Brewers can't find another deal for Luke Roy? Now you're stuck on the Brewers. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I read that he they didn't they didn't want to commit to him past this year, and he wanted it to be a long term thing. And he has the no trade clause, so he decided not to. So I guess he's he's willing to not go to a good team just in case he's not there for a long time. Well, see, the thing that's stupid is go to a good team. You can enjoy the rest of the season. We all know Cleveland's a terrible city, but at least if you go there. And you do well in the postseason. You 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 play well in the spotlight of the MLB postseason. You're going to get a good deal somewhere, even if it's not with Cleveland. And if you play well, Cleveland might just keep you. So like, you should want to go to Cleveland. I know it's it, you. They don't want to commit long term yet, but go to a good team. Get off a crap team, and that questions Luke Roy's competitiveness. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of I've always read about players having no trade clauses in their contracts, and like I don't even know like why they have these, and then Luke Roy's like, yeah, I'll show you why we have them. And, I mean, maybe there's a reason he wants to stay with the Brewers. I know you, you said you, he wants something long-term, but I don't know if he's holding out for that, or maybe there's an underlying cause why he didn't want to go to the Indi- Indians. But uh, Well, see, now I, I just saw something, too, that the Rangers now are involved talking to, to the Brewers, too. Like, it's just a matter of, I don't even know if he has a choice. I mean, he has a choice, but it's just like, it baffles me that you have a guy, like, if I was on a team like the Brewers, and don't get me wrong, I'm not a Major League Baseball player, but if I was on that bad of a team, I would want out of there real quick. Like, real fast. Yeah, and it's weird, because you don't, like you said, Lauren, you don't see these no-trade clauses actually Coming to play? happen. <laughs> yeah, like, to see a deal, alright, Luke Hor is probably going to the Indians, pending all the whatever, and then a couple hours later, you find out, wait, he didn't, in the next day, oh, he didn't go there. I saw a quote from him, well, he was saying, like, between 4 a.m. and 7, he was up at 4 a.m. and 7 a.m. and really trying to make a decision. It seemed like it bothered him greatly. Well, see, that's the thing, too, is, like, y- usually it's, oh, yeah, you hear about the deal, like you said, Jess, and then we're like, okay, he would be dumb not to, that's not going to care, because he's going to a good team, and then all of a sudden it's, uh, no, never mind, it usually, like, fell through because of physical or something stupid like that, but this was just a straight... Nah, I'm not feeling Cleveland. Next, what what do you got for me? Like, what? No, 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 not today. <laughs> no, 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 a little Dakebe Matumbo. No, no, no. 
It can be Leroy. Like, it's, <laughs> it's really, um, it's dumb. I think he's stupid. He would have really helped the Indians, like greatly helped the Indians. Yeah, he's a good catcher. Um, he's a good hitter. Yeah, he's a good player. Um, so definitely hurts the Indians there. Um, guys, our, let's talk about the division real quick. The Red Sox in the AL East here. Um, Really is it? We we talked about at the beginning of the year how this was going to be a three team race, and the Jays have proven that they they weren't out of it, and it now is a three team team race with them going into the week in first place. Yeah, they they overtook Baltimore with a win yesterday to go into first place. Then Baltimore won today, so now Baltimore's back a half game up. But Baltimore lost five games in a row before uh, before their win today, so they're slipping a little bit. They're fifty nine and forty five. Toronto's fifty nine and forty six. We're fifty seven and forty six. They're all right there. Toronto's on fire. They're all good teams. It's, I think the biggest difference between the teams, uh, Toronto and Boston, are both good at home and both better road teams than most teams. But Baltimore's thirty seven and sixteen at home, but only twenty two and twenty nine on the road. I wonder if that's going to come back and hurt them. Uh, probably. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't looked at their schedule yet. I don't know what, what they have left, um, in terms of home and away ratio. Cause we all, again, we all know the numbers for the Red Sox by now, but, yeah. um, which is daunting. Um, but look, it's, it's going to be a tough stretch. I, I think you're going to see, I think the Orioles are going to fall out of it. I think the Jays and the Red Sox are going to make the playoffs. Um, and I think, I think we, a lot of us predicted that earlier in the year. I think everyone thought if the Orioles started hot, they were going to fall off. That's because they didn't have the pitching to sustain it, and somehow they have. But um, And that's probably why they tried to get Wade Miley to see if they could help sustain this into the playoffs. But um, the Jays are a good team, guys. They won the division last year. We all picked them to win. The, actually, no, me and Jess picked them to win the division this year. <laughs> um, and I think that they, they might still do that. But Orioles are going to fall off, I think. I don't think they're going to be there. Do you guys think the Orioles make the playoffs? Or? Yeah, I do. I mean, there's, I they keep this up. I mean, it's a flip-flop for first, but um, I think I think they're going to get in, definitely. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it'd be weird for them not to with how, I mean, they've been in first for a good chunk of the season along with along with us, and they're not, yeah, they're, they're not playing well right now. And weird, I'm looking, I'm looking at their schedule right now with their last, like, couple weeks of games. They lost three out of four to the Yankees, then they swept the Indians, then they lost two out of three to the Rockies, then they lost the makeup game with the Twins. And then they lost two in a row to Toronto. So, like, you know, losing to the Twins, losing to the Rockies, losing to the Yankees, a lot of big losses. And then speaking of road games, where I just said they're not good, uh, after a three-game home set with the Rangers, they go at Chicago White Sox for three, at Oakland A's for four, and at San Francisco Giants for three. The White Sox and the Oakland Ops aren't that good of teams, but when you're seven games under 500 in the road and already reeling a little bit, this is a big stretch. For, this is a big stretch for the Orioles and the Red Sox. Yeah, it really is, and I think you're going to see a lot of up and down the rest of the way. Um, guys, there's a chance that all three, three of these teams could be in the playoffs, that well, at least the one into the one game wild card. Right, stupid sure. thing. I hate that so much. But um, I mean, right now, isn't that close to being the? I haven't. I don't really don't have it in front of me. But aren't they pretty much in the case right now? Yeah, because. Yeah, because Detroit is second in the Central, and they're a game behind us, and we're in third, obviously. And then Houston's 55-49 and 49 in the West in second place. So, if yeah, if the season ended today, that's exactly All what it would be. Yeah, which is crazy. Um, so, obviously something to watch moving forward here, but a lot of baseball left for the next couple months here going in through September. But, hey, guys, at, at, we, all we asked for was games in August and September to matter, and they're going to matter this year, which is great. I mean, this time last year we were – 
picking daisies in the outfield if you're Hanley Ramirez and you're playing the young kids by now. So already the season's a much better option than last year. So, um, but you're going to have games in August and September matter, which is nice. Um, and you have games this week that matter, which is nice. Um, four at the Mariners, three at the Dodgers. Um, West Coast swing here. Jess, what, what do you got this week? Yeah, I think with the Mariners, they're two games over 500. They're, you know, after they kind of surged a couple months ago and then they kind of fell back to earth and they've been around 500 for the rest of that time. I think coming off the good win today against the Angels, um, obviously the Red Sox know this is an important stretch. Um, the pitching's been a little better recently. It's been the offense has been the problem. So if they can keep that up, I feel pretty good in this series. I'm picking win three out of four from the Mariners. Even though it's a road, that's that's going to be tough. I think a sweep could be near impossible. But I think three out of four is definitely reasonable. Might be more likely to be a split. But if we can win three out of four against them, that's a good sign. Lauren, you seem to be on the same boat. Uh, any different reasons? Uh, no, I think, especially after a win today, I think that definitely changed my my route of my predictions because they're that's just gonna I feel like it's gonna ignite the team. It's gonna get them just like kind of amped up. They're gonna get back on their their winning ways and they're gonna back on the high horse. Exactly, that's like that's what they're gonna do. <laughs> I mean, maybe I have too much confidence every week in this team, but that's what makes these predictions fun. Um, sometimes they're great. Sometimes they're not so great. It's hard to know. But, yeah, except for when Je- except for when Jess is right, I don't like when Jess is right. Which I mean, is that's all the hard time. to do. But I mean, I got the I got the Angel series right, and Jess got it wrong. If that makes you feel better, it does. I'd rather you be right than him. So. But I still lose two out of three of the tires, and you guys both had us win the series, and we got swept. So I was closer there. Ugh. See, this is what ha- this is what happens when I'm optimistic, guys. I went five and two last week, and it didn't happen. And it went the exact fun. opposite. So <laughs> yep. like, you <laughs> stop two and five this week. Like, oh, man, um, I have them splitting with the Mariners. Um, I know they had a big week win today. Wouldn't be shocked if they come back and win tomorrow. Um, but I just think that right now they're kind of in. They need to prove to me that they can beat these teams, and it's on the road, uh, West Coast trip now. Um, I just don't – I'm not a fan of this right now. Um, I'm, I like the split with the Mariners just because you have, when you have four games, you're playing like this. Um, and you're playing a decently bad, I'm going to say bad team, but they're not a great team. Um, but you still have players on that roster like Robbie Cano who can beat you in, the, in a closer game. So I don't like the matchup right now because of the way the Red Sox are playing, so I got them splitting. Yeah, I mean, um, four-game series is on the road, especially in a West Coast, Coast trip, are difficult no matter who you're playing. And not good. It's tough yep. to win those series. It's tough to win three out of well, four. Well, you're tough to win two games, apparently. <laughs> yeah, seriously, ask today. Ask the series this Yeah. <laughs> It's ridiculous. So um, obviously not not good news being in the road so much for the Red Sox. Uh, then you go to the Dodgers for three. Um, I have them winning two out of three for the Dodgers. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know why. I just do. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so I think that, like you said, Lauren, they, they're going to use this mojo, but I think that four game. if, if the Mariners wasn't a four-game series, I'd probably have them winning three out of four. I mean, two out of three, um, but I think with just the extra game, it really doesn't help on the road. Um, so that, I, I picked them to win two out of three against the Dodgers this week and have a four and three week. Yeah, I'm going uh, two and two, two, two and three, two out of three from the Dodgers as well. They're gonna. It's like five game series. Hello. <laughs> yep, they're gonna take those That's two games thing. from them, and much like, much, not much like last week, two and five, they're gonna go five and two, complete opposite, complete turnaround. And I'm ready for the Red Sox to be back in first place. Optimism. Yeah, I'm actually lose, going to lose two out of three. And um, I, don't, I know it's not like me, but after winning three or four against the Mariners, the Dodgers are one of the better teams in the league. They're 58 and 46 right now. That's tough. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they lost two out of three. 
So I'm going with a four and three week. Oh, man. Jess, welcome to the dark side. Yeah, I haven't been picking such high weeks, but hey, you know what? The last few weeks haven't been so good. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's very true. Stick with the trends, man. Stick with the trends. Um, but there you go. Jess has them going four and three like I do, and Lauren has them going five and two. We'll see how the week wraps up. We'll, of course, talk to you next week and recap everything that happened. Um, and of course, um, this week was brought to you by, like every other week, Blue Apron and Seed Geek, our good friends of the show, of course, uh, helping you get fresh food delivered to help you cook within your home every week. And of course, helping you get great seats to your games. If you enter the promo code RSB, you'll get $20 off your first ticket price, uh, ticket purchase, excuse me. Uh, and then we go from there after that. So a lot happened this week, a uh, big week this week. And of course, we'll see how we did. Of course, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook is the Red Sox beat podcast. And please, 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 and more pleases uh, to rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes, as well as listening to us on Stitcher, wherever you're listening. We're happy you are. Um, of course, we're, we're coming down to the end of the season here into August and September. Games are mattering, which is awesome. And we'll be here for you every week, breaking it down and hoping, you, hoping leading into the playoffs here uh, for the first time in a couple of years. So for this week, Lauren Campbell, Jess Thomas, I am Jared Scally. This has been Red Sox beat here on CLNS Radio. <laughs>